This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It is time for another episode of Fiesta Watch. We haven't done an actual like physical podcast. Well, it's not physical, but a standalone podcast outside of streaming in a while. But uh, our our normal host is is out. He cannot speak right now. That's Noah. Um, so I'm your host this week, and I've got a special guest. You've heard him before. His name is James, and uh, he's back. Last time was on the Vegas podcast, but now we're just doing a normal one. So how you doing, James? Uh, I can speak, so better than Noah, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I figure we might as well no time. Better than Immortals? Yeah, exactly. Better than Immortals. <laughs> so let's let's not beat around the bush. Let's jump right into it. So uh, Jacob Wolf, our, our League of Legends uh, news-breaking source-giving overlord, has told us... I just want to throw out there, as somebody who's been in the League scene for as long as I have, it's really ridiculous to me now that Jacob Wolf is now the authoritative... <laughs> it's because, because he's last... ESPN. Like, that's that's literally why he gets his like, For like two and a half years, we made fun about him, and yet <laughs> we are. Remember, kids, follow your dreams. You get there eventually. Exactly. All you gotta not, do not, is not, just... I'm not just saying Jacob. He's done a lot of work to get to where he is. It's just amusing to me in hindsight. No, yeah, it, it is fun. Like, I mean, that just shows that even in the esports world, like ESPN, just has so much draw because the fact that he's the main ESPN writer, he gets all of the scoops. Um, so yeah, so today he announced that, uh, or he told us that uh, Immortals, one of the, you know, one of the mainstays in any LCS for the last few years will not be getting franchised and will not be showing up in the spring split. And really, I mean, in NA LCS going forward, because these teams that we have for the NA LCS now, that's what we've got because of franchising. So um, what are your initial thoughts on this? Just just right off the cuff, what what was the, your first thought when you saw this announcement? Well, uh, you know what my first thought was, and that's not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it um, was... A lot of ex- expletives directed was, towards uh, Ryan. It, it was a long string of four-letter words. It Ryan was. It was. That was literally all yeah. that our chat was filled with. Right when I was, when I when I told them I wanted them to do a roundtable, he just repeated the same phrase over and over. I'm sure you guys can guess what phrase that was. Um. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of imagination. Anyway, uh, I'm glad that I actually thought I, I actually because uh, I'm sure Wyatt will have posted our wonderful roundtable discussion by the time this podcast goes live. Yeah. Um, we were, we were instructed to write a roundtable about it, and my first knee-jerk reaction was very hostile for Riot. Then I sat down, and I spent some time thinking about like how I actually, why I actually have a decision to be made from Riot's perspective before mm-hmm. I made an answer to it. And after quite a bit of you know, thought, I got past the knee-jerk reaction and thought, and now I'm more of a place where I do think that this is the correct decision on Riot's part. And... Interestingly enough, I wrote my analysis uh, around the same time that Travis Gafford wrote his video, his response video that I haven't watched, but I read the Reddit comment section on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I wanted to get to watch tonight. And it sounds like he was going down the same vein. Um, because the, my, end of, my, re, my reaction ended up being Immortals has had really great success in terms of results for yeah. being a, a, a new NA team. Of course. Granted, they haven't won anything ever, 
but... But they've gotten pretty far. Yeah, for being a venture capital funded team like it is, usually those teams just fail. Yeah, exactly. And they've actually been competitive in every season they've been in, except for Spring 2017. Um, However, Immortals are a team that people like watching because they're good. And I think that the the fan base for Immortals isn't really there. I don't know anybody who would say that their favorite team is Immortals, for example. That's true, yeah. I think that that comes, that kind of gets the root of the issue, where while Immortals have done a good job at getting themselves results, I think they've, where they've fallen behind a lot is in terms of actually like building a sustainable organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they got rid of that, is I don't see, I mean, I see TSM merch, like, on the streets of Los Angeles of people who are just random people, right? Yeah, exactly. I've seen Immortals merch even in, like, actual LCS at Worlds, any of the places. I mean, <laughs> I used to have a press pass to go to the hotel LCS every week, right? Yeah. Saw so, very few Immortals shirts. And that look was actually pretty sweet. So I think it speaks to the problem of their venture fund capital funded team, right? Mm-hmm. So they've been able to spend lots of money to get the good rosters. But at some point, they're going to be called to account. Yeah. And... I'm not sure if I was in Ryan's shoes whether I would trust whether they're able to be whether they would be in a place where that's not going to just instantly ruin them, right? Because all these teams have taken are taking on investors, right? Yeah. But most of those investors are in sports or are in like Phoenix One had entertainment investors. I guess they got denied too, so it's sort of a relevant argument. Um, but they're not just instantly sunk if their investors pull out. Noah. It's just fucked instantly. Like, that organization ceases to exist that day. Yeah, that's very true. So, especially when you consider that they put the 20, that $20 million into Overwatch League and the money they plan to spend on building a facility, you're sure, basically right looking at their balance sheet and seeing, all right, say they wanted to spend, they're going to spend $30 million, $20 million in Overwatch League, $10 million entering the LCS, $10 million in building an Overwatch facility. That's $40 million in the red. Where are you going to get this money when somebody's asking for it back? Exactly. And so far, I don't think Immortals has any plan to do that. Yeah, and I think that's that, the reality that I think we all have to. I think it's hard for us to remember that, that these are businesses because we're all in esports and we really love these teams. Exactly. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy watching Immortals too. You know, I was, when Humi Rainover went over to them, I became a big fan because they were, yeah. you know, dramatic players. Um, but at the end of the day, these are businesses and they're going to have to. What, I mean, what happens to the whole. Ryan has to keep in mind the holistic image of the league. What mm. happens to the league if in three years one of the teams goes belly up like immortals like that like, what happens if that in that world exactly yeah and i think that was my first thought like you know i mean obviously the initial thought is just like right what are you doing why would you get rid of this team but i think once you, you kind of dug into it and according to jacob wolf like you know a lot of it has to do with um the fact that they will have the la based overwatch league team so that would could create a conflict of interest i mean that's what they said but i also my first thought i don't think yeah, I mean, that's what Jacob Wolf says. That's what everyone's running with. But I think my first thought, too, was that it, it's a money issue because they had to put $20 million just to get into Overwatch. And as far as I know, like, I know with League, uh, with this franchising, you know, it's $10 million, but you only have to put up a certain amount now, and then the rest will be due over a period of time. I don't know if there is that same deal in the Overwatch League because Blizzard's been very tight-lipped about um, the terms of, of their deals and all that kind of stuff. So like, it's a generous I, way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think I'd be led to believe that with Blizzard's Overwatch League, they might have had to put twenty million dollars up front. You know, they might have had to just write a check for twenty million, or at least show they have twenty million to pay over a shorter amount of time. Because I don't see Blizzard going the route of like, okay, we'll give you a few years to pay this off. Because at least with and with Riot they've been dealing with these teams or most of the teams they've been dealing with these teams for a while. So they kind of know. So it's kind of a good faith move on their part. Um, And then even with the new teams that are coming in, I mean, you've got optic coming in. Optic is one of the most popular, if not the popular or the, just the team for all of esports. Um, Because I I I mean, yeah, like if you know, I don't think you've been to very many call of duty events, but like they like, Optic fans are, if you look at TSM's League of Legends fans, the Optic fans that I've seen at Call of Duty events are that times 20. Like, they they are rabid for their team. Um, and it's a very cult-like mentality. Not in a bad way, but just in Sounds the like fact... Sounds like I have another group of people. Yeah. 
it's okay. it's honestly it's a very it's a very interesting group. Um, you know, there's been some positives, some negatives. Like there were some issues um, at the Call of Duty World Championships in 2016 um, with some of their fan base uh, throwing some racial slurs toward um, an African American player on Cloud Nine um, who beat Optics. So, I mean, there's stuff like that. But those kind of fans, those people around, you're gonna deal with that. Um, <laughs> So, um, so I mean, yeah, it was a pretty big thing at the time. So like that, but then you have just some very, you know, very passionate fan base. Um, I think it's going to bring a, a very odd dynamic to, um, to League of Legends. You're going to have people, I think that the weirdest part is going to be, there's going to be people who don't have any idea about League of Legends at all. They're not going to know about the game, the mechanics, but they're going to be optic fans. So they're going to be cheering. So, uh, Twitch chat, Reddit is going to be an interesting place once they come in, um, I think that it's uh, I think that it's a stretch. I mean, this is just based upon my experiences in trying to monetize like content for esports. Uh-huh. Something we realized really quickly about League of Le- monetizing content for League of Legends um, is that the vast majority of people that watch League of Legends esports do so because they play League of Legends, and it happens to be something that they can watch to like learn more about it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think that I think that the argument that people are or not not arguments, but I think the assumption that they're going to have random optic fans that come in because they love optics so much and watch League of Legends despite having no idea what the fuck it is, <laughs> is asking a lot because like I don't, I mean, unless I am really bored, I don't watch fanatic CS:GO games on Twitch. Like I don't certainly, well, I mean, I'd be more likely to watch Dota, but I usually yeah. don't do that either. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I would never watch Overwatch. I would never root for a Cloud9 Overwatch team under any circumstances because I just, <laughs> I don't want to watch that game. I don't, yeah. I don't care about Overwatch. So I think it's really interesting that people think that like a Call of Duty organization, which Call of Duty and League of Legends have zero in common with each other, and they aren't even on the same platform, yeah. importantly, exactly. is, that's why, that's why I know nothing about Optic. They're a console team, right? And yeah, I think that exactly. it's of like actual, I'm interested to see what the transition is because way constantly sports system like why constantly sports and the way like pc based especially team based esports works mm-hmm. is so fundamentally different that i don't i think the assumption that optic is going to do well organizationally is asking a lot and I i'm mean, not saying that that's fail fair. i don't want to make that make that point yeah but like if i look at the operations of say an example might be echo fox right mm-hmm. um they have a very active vgc side which is all console gaming yeah the way you manage that kind of scene and those kinds of players is quite a bit different than the res- especially resource wise than what's required to make a league of legends team work now i think that optic if they're smart as i said i'm on the article it's just going to buy all the moral of this stuff <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but i think that people are people are citing optic success in console gaming as a reason why they'll be successful in pc gaming and honestly if i was in about his riot issues i wouldn't even build, i wouldn't even accept those two things are not similar enough to where i think that they matter. Optic has never done anything in a MOBA in the MOBA scene, ever. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, I, but I, I've seen like even and, with and like, importantly, I think that there's the point to be made that FPS uh, kind of companies that have moved into the League of Legends space or into the the uh, MOBA space in general yeah. have, on average, done really poorly. Now, Fnatic is an exception. But I think that Fnatic is the only organization that currently has FPS teams that are in either LCS that actually had those teams when they started being in the LCS. You know what I mean? Yeah, so no, like yeah, because, and, yeah and like in, uh, Ninjas in Pajamas came into League and were you know pretty bad. Um, yeah, exactly. More than once, and they were bad um, every time. So, um, or at least, especially this most recent time, they were very bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I've seen, I think more so it'll be the fps versus um versus moba scene because like i've seen like optic fans uh in csgo act very similar to the way they do with call of duty but like i said those are fps's um so i think it, it because the fan base i mean outside of people on our staff like there are very few people that watch both mobas and first person shooters just because first person shooters is just a different niche um, that generally doesn't really cross over into MOBAs. Uh, I think there's a lot of carryover between Counter Strike specifically in MOBAs, yeah. but I think that's that's it's very unique FPS. Well, yeah, no, uh, because yeah, because uh, Counter Strike is more team based than Call of Duty yeah. is. Like Call of Duty, one person can just run around and go off, and you'll be fine. But in in Counter Strike, yeah. 
one person can have 50 kills, but if everyone else has four kills, you're going to lose the game. Um, yeah, that one guy's going to get shot in the head once and you lose. Exactly, like. yeah, exactly. So I, I definitely, yeah, I think that the CSGO fan would be more likely to watch MOBAs um, than the Call of Duty fan will. So it'll be real interesting to see, um, especially since with, you know, Riot, it's going to be LA versus the their Overwatch team, for instance, will be based in Texas. Um, so it's going to be interesting just to see kind of how their fans travel or you know if the fans in la will be as rabid as the ones in dallas are um or i think they're gonna be in austin actually um but yeah i'm it's just gonna be i think the nalcs is gonna it's gonna feel way different next season um especially with it going back to best of one and all that kind of stuff too um which yeah it's been met with a lot of grumbles across uh but, I mean, hey, at least they're putting EU back to best as one as well, so we can just equally be bad together. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I made the point in the article that the only situation now that's going to cover North America and the North American LCS mm-hmm. is going to be one of, one of my superiors explicitly threatening my, to terminate my employment if I don't. So, <laughs> that, that really says all that I need to say about my view on the other right now. I mean, I'm happy that the franchise model will bring in more revenue. Yeah. But I think from the perspective of somebody who, like, appreciates that competition, the dual, the two punches of going back to best of one, which I think would be a really good point. There's a same point would be made, you could make is that best of three practice doesn't matter because you don't even make it out of groups usually. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, no, I mean, that's very, yeah, it's very but true. But that combined with axing one of the best organizations in the in the, in the uh, space out of nowhere more or less uh just really doesn't make me want to watch the region you know yeah. especially because once again they underperformed at worlds like fanatic did better than tsm so i'm gonna go yeah. watch fanatic play more because i like that organization anymore anyways exactly and realistically it doesn't change that much because I would always be rooting for China and Korea no matter what, right? So yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, those those reasons are definitely more your if we're your baby. I have a Samsung Galaxy icon and I have a real never give up icon on my account, but I don't have <laughs> a icon and I never have. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, you can point to this year as an example. We had best of threes for the last two splits, and they TSM sunk it up at Worlds. Immortals sunk it up in the second week. Cloud9 barely made it out. So clearly best of threes aren't really doing that much for us anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's definitely the reason it's a reasonable argument that even if you are a tw- you can't actually watch all of the LCS. It's not possible. Now, yeah. my Twitter argument that would be that most of the LCS is not worth watching. So <laughs> unlike LCK, we're like Every single game in LCK is a game I want to watch, basically. Yeah, because even a team like BBQ Olivers can take games off of SKT randomly. So, yeah, definitely. They do. Yeah. Not not even a theory yet, theoretical. Yeah, like it it happens. Like it happens on a regular basis. So, yeah, the worst teams in the LCK are better than some of the top teams in NA. So, I think part of it isn't so much that I would say that they're on a better or worse spectrum. I'd say it's closer. LCK feels more competitive. That's because while well, obviously these are all the best teams, I mean, these are the, like the 10 best, not maybe not the 10 best teams in the world, but I think that the, what was it, IEM uh, Gyeongji, yeah. where we have like the, the 7th place and the ninth place Korean team there, and they still kick everybody's ass. Exactly, kind of yeah, sad, like, exactly. About that. Um, yeah. But the fact that they're all competitive and they're diverse in a way that a lot of other teams aren't. I think Fnatic, one of the reasons I really enjoyed watching Fnatic in Europe this year was because it was one of the first times I remember like watching one of these NAEU teams just kind of go, as a, as as I say as an analyst, to use my analytical terms, go full gigabyte Marines and just say <laughs> fuck it and play our own style. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that everybody always says that uh, Western teams are boring because they try to copy Koreans so much, but if they were really trying to copy Koreans, then they would actually have much more diverse strategies than what they seem to employ. That's very true. Like yeah. you said, I think, I think even using the exact team, Barbecue Olivers was really interesting back in twenty like was it twenty sixteen or summer or twenty seventeen spring. Uh, I remember they were like playing they were playing like Varus and like weird poke stuff that yeah. nobody else was playing. Yeah, it was it was yeah. spring, yeah, because yeah, for, spring was their first split this year. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's a divergence. We should get to worlds. Yeah, but I mean, speaking of the LCK, let's jump right into our first matchup here. We've got uh, it will have already happened by the time this gets posted. Rejoice. Uh, all North American fans and EU fans, 
two yeah. Koreans and fight playing each other in the quarterfinals. Exactly. We, we're dodging bullets here. We're going to let them take each other out, and then that's will be one less it's Korean team matter, to worry about. But, spoiler alert, it's not going to matter. Yeah, not really, because, you know, the matchup, we've got Longview Gaming versus Samsung Galaxy. This one, you know, you, you think on... If you're not looking at, like, how the rosters have done this year or anything like that, if you just look at it in the fact that you have Longju, who is playing in their first Worlds, I believe, um, and then you've got Samsung Galaxy that were runners-up last year, you would think that Samsung Galaxy should be the favorite, but that's not the case at all. Right, James? Yeah. Yeah, if you just, like, if you just turned off, you you disconnected from the world at, at the end of 2016 Worlds, and you just replugged right now, you think, oh, yeah, Samsung's got this. Longju, these guys are shitters. Exactly. Historically, you know, <laughs> a bad organization, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, that's not the case at all. As you said, uh, I expect, I mean, I wouldn't really, I think I might have been overly critical because I, I am a big Samsung fan, as we previously mentioned in this discussion. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, basically, I slammed Samsung pretty hard. I think that they'll probably get 3 0 um, yeah. Samsung have not taken a game off Longju this year, so yeah, so it's uh, not looking uh, very since, good since since spring. And I think that if Worlds had happened when MSI happened, then I would have said this would have been the opposite results because Samsung actually looked really good at spring. During they spring did, split. yes, yeah. Spring split, but, they looked probably they, it was the best that they've looked, you know, since I mean, since I they were the Korea in spring split. Spring split, yeah, and exactly. Just, there was one team they couldn't beat, and that team was KT Rolster. And they just happened, like, SKT went on a tear, managed to take first place away, yep. and Samsung didn't, man, didn't had to play KT and Ulster. Really unfortunate for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that was, like, the one team that just had their number all split long. Yeah, they still made a good show of it. But yeah. then, like, after MSI, somebody must have taken a sledgehammer to Crown's hands or something. <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. what happens. They look and like a right different now, team, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is... Crown was really wrapped up in the identity of that team. Because, like, one of the reasons why Samsung became a lesser late-game team is, like, Crown and Ambition, these guys would always show up if the game went past 30 minutes or so. Yeah. You know, think, even thinking in Spring Split when they were winning a lot, I'm still thinking of games where Crown is, like, controlling the map, uh, the minions on the map really well by playing Victor, even on side lane. He'd be side laning as Victor, which is, yeah. like, unheard of, right? Exactly. Uh, but... Since then, he's just looked. I don't. I don't want to put it. In, I have a, using very technical terms here, he's looked bad. Yeah. Like I, I went back, when I wrote my article today, I went back over the film watching Longju play Samsung, and we're talking like Optimus levels of bad Oriana play here. Last time they played, um, which is saying something because Optimus his Oriana was terrible. Yeah, I mean he's he's making shockwaves that like I would be ashamed of. As a plat player, kind of. Yeah, he, he was making shockwaves so... that I would that I would make as a non-ranked player. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, Crown, <laughs> you need to go home and get take a nap. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that I think that Longju is personally going to win this match and it's Samsung's fucked. I think that one thing that I did say, not in the article, but I said when I first saw this match, when I talked, I think I was talking with you, is that I think the team that wins this match is probably going to win one. Yeah, um, yeah, we talked about that. Because I think the two teams, I mean, maybe, I was, maybe that's not necessarily correct, because I think if Longshu doesn't win Worlds, it'll probably be RNG. But if a Korean team wins Worlds, it's one of these two. Yeah. Um, and because if Samsung do turn up enough to beat Longju, then that will make them the favorites, in my view. Yeah, exactly. Because, because Longju is so good, if Samsung can beat them, then they can beat SKT. Yeah, they can beat the Chinese to, teams. Yeah. It'll speak to growth from Samsung specifically, too. Exactly. Like, if, 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 if Samsung beats Longju, what has to happen, more or less, is like. Ruler and Crown have to be put into a hyperbolic time chamber in <laughs> Super Saiyan mode, right? Yeah, essentially. That's why I don't have very much faith in this happening, but it's possible. I, I had zero... I was a Samsung fan during 2016 because I just, like... I, I tend to like late game team. I, I like yeah. team fighting teams. I was a huge Chao Kung fan. Uh, not anymore so much. But I was. <laughs> <laughs> um... And 
So I would never have, in a million years, told you that Samsung versus uh, SKT was going to be the finals match mm-hmm. and that Samsung was going to take it to five games, right? Yeah. So I want to be careful because I've been surprised by this team in the past. But when you make predictions, you have to make predictions with the evidence available to you. And right now, Crown has looked really, really bad. And that, this is a terrible meta and a terrible team for that to be true. Because exactly. if Brown loses mid to BDD while BDD is playing like the Galio, Italia, these picks he's had a really big emphasis on and really big impact on, then the fact that Crown can't hold mid is going to ruin the game. And that's exactly what happened last time these two played, is that BDD stayed competitive in CS while still getting the first roll, and then Crown would show up later and look like a moron missing shockwaves and stuff. Yeah. And that's really worrisome, especially now that BDD has picked up Rise and is the only player in this tournament I think who's looked even really good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the reason, I think the biggest reason why Longju is going to stop the crap out of Samsung is because BDD versus Crown, and because right now in this bottom centric metagame, if your mid laner gets crapped on, which is likely to happen because Crown's going to lose to BDD and Ambition isn't going to gank. Because <laughs> he's yeah. ambition. Um, <laughs> then he goes bottom, they dive your bottom with four people and lose the game. Yeah. These are two Korea teams. Like you don't that's not something you really come back from when you're playing a back that kind of level. Long as you showed it time and again, if you give them that opportunity to make that big like big play at the end of the early game, they they kill your nexus in twenty four minutes. You know? Yeah, exactly. And the metagame is bad for Samsung across the board. Ruler isn't a hyper carry player. Um, last year, the champions using a good performance zone were like Jin, you know, these lethality carries that were popular at the time, Ash, that sort of thing. Uh, not Tristana, not yeah. Varus, certainly. <laughs> uh, he looked really bad on Varus in the last two teams. Like, it's hard to tell because you just kind of, if you get see, if your team can't protect you as Varus, you just look bad no matter what. Yeah. I'm not going to count them out. I think there's also the, there, there, there's the world where the Kuve win condition. Um, I was very surprised when I went back and watched. Like, I ranked Kuve on the same level as Khan. I think that they're both, like, tied, in my opinion, as the second best top player in the world, with Snug still being the best, just unfortunately not in this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there was PT Rolls worth here than Samsung, and how do you Samsung? That's a lot. They yeah. should have been here. Um, yeah. Because I would love to see Deft and Wada in this metagame. Like, yeah, it definitely, would've... it would have been very fun to see, for sure. But since they're not, don't won't, won't harp too much on that. I it, it, I think Kuve is probably going to be part of the solution if Samsung managed to win. But because he has taken Khan head on even in bad matchups in the past and done surprisingly well, I think people overrate Khan dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes all he make, he gets overrated because he shows up with the highlight reels, make flashy mechanical plays. Yeah. But his team has, he warps his team really heavily by being who he is. And if Samsung can find a way to break open the Kuve and Cuz and the and Kuve, sorry, the Kuve and the Ambition slash Khan and Cuz matchup on the top side of the map, that might be how they win the game. But in this meta game, it's really hard to win the game that way. Yeah, um, exactly. To, although since Ambition seems happy to play Cosmics, maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing I, I sort of may have glossed over is that I think what we consider this metagame is going to look really different in the quarterfinals than it did in the, the group stage. Yeah. Because the innovation we saw at the very end of the world stage was China bringing out Caitlyn saying, okay, you want to wait for three items and you want to wait for your ardent sensor spike, power spike? That's great. We're killing your turret in seven minutes. Yeah, exactly. You better be ready to play. And... I think that helps Longju way more than helps Samsung, so I did say. Um, but that assumes that both of them catch on to the fact that early game teams might be a trend that looks better. Um, so if Samsung show up and play Caitlyn, and Longju are still playing like Kogma, or Twitch, even worse, uh, maybe that's a way they win. I, I, I wouldn't say that's going to happen. But yeah, like, I, yeah I wouldn't bet on it, but it definitely seems like this is Longju's series to lose for sure. This is Longju's tournament to lose. Exactly, yeah. Because I mean, if I they. Mean, I think it's blatantly obvious to even like non analysts, but even from my perspective, like, I probably think Longju's going to. Then just 
lay people. I think that this is a lock. I don't think I've seen a team that's this obviously going to win Worlds since Samsung White. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think this is... Yeah, the other Korean teams look actually bad. Not yeah. even sort of weak, like, bad. <laughs> I would not be surprised if this is the year where you have China versus Korea finals again, because... Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, SKT especially since... Look... Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, especially since SKT has to play against... If if they get through their first uh, series against Misfits, that we'll talk about in a second, um, they'll have to face RNG in the next round. So th- that's going to be... Yeah, I think lucky. RNG will beat Samsung, or beat SKT, but that's a spoiler. That's for next year. That's yeah, that's, that's for next week. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. But yeah, let's let's jump right into... I mean, I think we both... We see Longju um, probably 3-0-ing um, Samsung. If not a 3-0, I think it'll be a 3-1. But I'd be surprised if it's not a 3-0 because... Longju just looked so good um, this this entire year, and they've only been getting better as the year goes on. So, I mean, it just makes sense that they're going to continue to yeah. steamroll. I would agree. I think it's three or three or three one because if Samsung win a match and they win a game, I'm guessing it's what this. And this is another thing I actually brought up is the draft. Um, yeah. And I just want to touch it real quick. That Samsung can win a game by bringing out something super unexpected, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but because uh, Longju or the higher seed in control blue right? They have the opportunity to ban that shit right right away in the next game, which Samsung is not going to luxury of because they're going to be on red side three games. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually, I mean, it's sort of a, not something we talk about a lot as, as lay people, but that's a huge deal in this, right now because Callisto's banned every single game, right? Yeah. And I think Galvin's going to have to be banned every single game too. Yep. So that's two bans. They're just gone if you're red side. And that's, I mean, Janna probably should be too. It, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, especially on, on this meta, definitely Janna. Um, but yeah, so... You should probably mention it. It's bad. Anyway, yeah. moving on. But yeah, so Longju, probably 3-0. Um, but the next series that will take place on Friday morning um, is going to be SKT versus Misfit. So we've got an e, uh, EU versus LCK matchup. Um, how do you feel about this one? I think this is the one that... Like of all the the ones that I think you might see an upset, this might be the most likely one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we had a long discussion in our chat about this. Mm-hmm. Which, since nobody here has read our chat, I guess that's sort of the academic. But I was on the side. I was on the side. I was on your side. I think that um, of all the matches in the quarterfinals, this is the one that's going to look the probably or will probably look the most one sided but is probably the closest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that Misfits has really impressed me over the course of this tournament is both their preparation, which I sort of expected, because it's sort of their thing in Europe. Yeah. They're always a very well-prepared team. But their early game has been really good for a really long time. I think people have sort of been sleeping on that. It um, has, yeah. I agree with that. And I drew a direct comparison saying that I think the question of this series is, will Misfits learn to do what, like, EDG, for example, could it, and actually close the goddamn game because yeah. <laughs> um, I would not be surprised if Misfits gets like a five to ten thousand gold lead every single game against SKT because they've looked terrible in the early game. And yeah, as, yeah. The early game has been SKT's weakest point all throughout Worlds, and that I mean that's they were down ten to go. Like you said, they were down ten thousand gold against EDG, but EDG had no idea how to close out the game. And same with even with Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine happened? got a lead. Yeah, not Nintara. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um. But that being said, if you look back at EU finals, you have G2 beating Misfits 3-0 despite having a five to 10,000 gold deficit. Yeah. So it's really, I think, like I said, it's going to be the match I think is the closest, but I don't think it's going to look that way necessarily. If Misfits win, I expect it will be a five-game series, mm-hmm. and that'll probably be the coolest thing that's ever happened in Western, like, ever. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, if Misfits win, it's like I believe it's the first time a Western team has beaten in a Korean team ever in a best of five series. I I don't think it ever happened. Yeah, like, I mean that that like, sounds right to me. Like I I don't yeah, Chinese I don't... teams have done it. Like Nigerian White Shield lost to OMG or Royal Star Royal Club back in 2015. Mm-hmm. But since then, it's Korean teams lose to Koreans. And that's about it. So that will be the. I, I, I don't want to make a mistake on our podcast, but I'm pretty sure, 90% sure, would bet my life on uh, this would be the first time that ever since the LCS era, yeah. a Western team has defeated a Korean team in the best. And I think it's really exciting that this is the closest shot we have to having. I think this is actually the, 
the best shot you know at exactly yeah and i think for it to be misfits like for it to be this team i think that's really cool as well just because (laughs) yeah i mean yeah exactly well yeah because misfits is like they're such a new team you know um like they've they've only been around for a little bit and the fact that they i mean not only are they in worlds not only did they get out of their group um over the likes of tsm and flash wolves um, but the fact that we're even talking about them having a shot against SKT, like, you know, probably the most storied franchise in League of Legends, probably. just from a, a, oh yeah, the most storied champion or a team in, you know, League of Legends history, just based from on a championship standpoint, um, is like, it's incredibly cool. I think that that just kind of shows that they're, while we think that a lot of these matchups and, and League of Legends is such a, korean dominated sport which it is um but I was gonna say, what? <laughs> it is but the fact that it's it's not like not every matchup against a korean is one-sided you know th- there can be these these moments what? of parity where we have teams like misfits um that can come in and that can do well against these teams um i mean even cloud nine like yeah they lost both games against skt in the group stages, but they got pretty close both times. Uh, well, the second time they got kind of close. Um, might, might, might you say perhaps that the gap is closing? I mean, it, it feels and like it, was, it is. And, and don't even say that. It wasn't close. They got clapped so hard the first game. It was hard to No, watch. yeah, like I said, yeah, the first game, I, once I thought about it, I was like, wait, no, the first game they got destroyed. They, like, <laughs> they tried to temper on Faker and got 2 v one and that was the yeah. game. Yeah, when, that, when, when Faker did that, I was just like, Faker, stop being so good. Like, because... That wasn't even, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm happy to give praise to Baker Reserved. He flashed a Rek'Sai tunnel that was coming over a wall that was very obvious and then just bolted them both. That That's was true. terrible. <laughs> I just said the contract. That's true. It, it was, it was, it was, it was yeah. Like, why did they even think this is going to work? <laughs> because that's Cloud9. Like, and it, that's what I think, that's what frustrates me about teams like NA. I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but like, the NA teams just, they make these boneheaded decisions sometimes that just frustrate me so much. Cause you know, they, you're playing against SAT. Like I get it. You're trying, you, you think you've got a spot to, to make a big play, but then to just bungle it that bad. It's just like, guys, come on. Like, let's not, can we just like play your game? Let it come to you. Don't force things, but they just can't seem to do it. Um, but I think or if Misfits, case, they just do nothing. Or yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think if Misfits, if they don't make those plays, I think you know their early game is good without them having to try and like look for the flashy play. Like I think their early game is just strong yeah, overall. Yeah, Misfits have really good fundamentals in the early game. They yeah. got good jungle pathing. They know how to dive the bottom lane turret. Exactly. They they know how to do like the nine minute, nine to ten minute dive that's pretty common right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that. It's fair to say that Misfits are outmatched in, like, literally every position. Um, no, yeah, jungle. yeah. <laughs> but maybe Jungle. I think that Maxlore has impressed me. Uh, unreal. It, 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 he's been an unreal threat in this tournament. Yeah, so and far. especially, I think, since, since while well, Peanut is good, Peanut also has Peanut the... Peanut is well, I mean, yeah, he's... <laughs> He, but he has the potential. I mean, because he's had games. Well, mainly they've been Lee Sin games where he just kind of pops off. Um, but that's not going to really happen here. But I mean, I think the fact that uh, SKT's jungle has always just been like blank has looked really good in certain spots. Um, but then even he's looked beatable if he can't get you know certain leads and all that kind of stuff. So I think if if Maxor, like you said, if he can kind of show up pretty good. And just really help them snowball. And then, like you said, the late game is going to be key. Because while SKT may have a bad early game, their late game is still strong. So, if... I don't think it's the mini. Because SKT turns the in the corner in the mid-game. Like, if you think about the game where they were down 10,000 gold, the team fight that won them the game still happened at, like, 28 minutes. That's true. Like, it wasn't yeah. actually late game at all. You know, That's Hager true. had like Hager had like an item and a half during that. They just got the you know absolute dream, best engage I think I've ever seen in a competitive game of League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, stars align in the sky, and the script said STT wins this game. Fuck you, China. <laughs> 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 like, uh, um, but 
I'm not gonna say I give it. I favor favor Misfits. I think that if it gets to late game, I think you could be right in saying SKT always will always probably win if you get to like the super late game, the six items, the six item all late game. Mm-hmm. SKT win. But where, I'm, where I want Misfits to secure is in that like twenty to thirty minute mark. Because if you keep a ten thousand gold loop through there, that's when it's that's when a ten thousand gold loop starts transitioning into like I have a Baron and an Elder Dragon versus mm-hmm. like more gold than you. You know, if you yeah. get game into their base with all their outer and their turrets down and threatening in hips with Baron and Elder Dragon starting to spawn and they can't push creeps up, that's really, that, that, that's the point where envelope where you win the game, right? Yeah, yeah as exactly. long as you're at that like six item crazy madhouse point of the game. And that's where he was fixing to not screw up right there. And I think that they're uniquely positioned amongst the Western teams still around in the tournament and that their way of control is I would say the best of any Western team that was even at this tournament, like, period. Maybe G2. Um, yeah. But that says, it speaks to, like, their ability to manage that particular stage of the game. Exactly. I think that there's something that we just sort of didn't talk about. Oh, I guess I alluded to it. I think that there is maybe the real situation where, like, their lanes just get clapped. Like, yeah. I think that's possible. I think that, I think that, I will say, at this point in the tournament, it's definitely safe to say that I think Bringing Huni was like unequivocally the wrong choice for mm-hmm. SKT, and even the people who say that like oh they brought it to beat Longju, it's not going to do anything. They're not going to beat Longju. The team looks terrible. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, they didn't beat Longju in the finals. So what is it? Um, Huni played the game. So yeah, and bringing Huni opens up a way to win the game that is unnecessary, and that Huni just gets camped, and he's not. He's always been bad at dealing with that. Yeah, and. That being said, if you don't, Huni is going to bend over Alfari like nobody's business. If you, <laughs> I guess that's why the eyes are on Max Lord, right? Yeah. All of this fits lanes are going to lose naturally. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I would say by a very... I, I like Power Evil. I think he's had a good tournament, but I would never in a million years say he's even going to go head-to-head of Faker. And I think we've kind of... We've seen Faker do some weird stuff in this tournament, like his his picks. I don't. I think that he, you can tell that Faker is not at his best because he's not fighting the meta. Like in the past, when SKT has been dominant, the person who will bring out that new champion will be Faker, like yeah. Ryan's last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I've watched Faker play for so long, one of, one of the times you can kind of tell when he's sort of not performing up to snuff is when he gets beaten by a champion and then just starts randomly playing that champion. Yeah, uh, something he's like done. He's done like karma. He does it with all kinds of like he played Lissandra for a while because of this. Even Lissandra sucked ass. Mm. Like it's sort of weird. And I think that the fact that he played Fizz after losing to HQ speaks to me that maybe he's not there all the way. But still, same party was going to be in a little shot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's so all. Yeah. I mean, that's all I really understand. The matter is, it's going to come down to can Misfits snowball the early game. Not all their players are worse, and all of their team coordination is worse. So, yeah. if they can't beat G2 in the mid and late game, then I'm not going to bet on them beating a team in the mid and late game. But I think that there is the world where they just clap them hard enough early on off their smart rotations mm-hmm. and their understanding of where all their players need to be that SKT don't even make it to the mid game. Sure. All right, so, so gun, to, gun to your head, what's your prediction for the series? 3 0 SKT. SKT? Okay. I'm thinking probably like a 3-1 SKT. Because um, I think that Misfits can get that one game. Um, but like you said, while there is the possibility, there is a world where, where Misfits decides to, you know, kind of really snowball the early game and win, I think that more often than not, SKT is just going to rise to yeah. the occasion and take the series. Um, and I, I want to point out that my statement is based upon the belief that I think that... I think that if, if Misfits manage to take a game... They will probably take them take them series. Okay, because that makes sense. Yeah, they're against a good enough team where if like they find if they have found that formula, if they've fixed that problem where they're throwing the game in late, and they can slam the door on SKT. But I think that's not an SKT wins one more or loses one more game. I think it's an SKT loses this match kind of situation. They are that bad on the early game, and I expect yeah. that Misfits will have a lead every single time, unless they bring in Peanut and have him play like Elise and Lisa and these like early game band aid champions, which I would not be terribly surprised if we see that. But... Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so still this tournament, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, so we've both got SKT winning that series. Um, and I think this next series is probably going to be another pretty one-sided one. Uh, we've got Royal Never Give Up versus Fnatic. We've got <laughs> LPL versus EU. So, based on the laughter, I think you can... This is a, such an unfortunate matchup for Fnatic. Because, yeah. like, there are other teams here where I can... Maybe they have a shot. But Royal Never Give Up is doing exactly the same thing Fnatic is doing, but doing it with a better player in every single position and doing it in a more important <laughs> fashion. I don't even have anything to talk about except for... You look at you look at Fnatic's games, you look at Pearl's games, and like Fnatic has to always play around their bottom. Reckless is the only way this team can win that win games. And don't get me wrong, Reckless has if he didn't cement himself as one of the most important EU or Western players ever, like over the course of the last few splits of EU LCS and games here finally. This tournament, oh my god. Like <laughs> Reckless yeah. has just I mean, I will still put Yellow Star or Pi in that category, but Reckless is really threatening to get into, like, that best Western player ever yeah. slot for me. Um, especially if he does this again next year, because how he managed to pull that team back and go from 0-4 to getting out of the groups is just... It's incredible. Like, it's... it's. Yeah. I mean, we saw him do it all throughout, you know, this, the summer and, and, and spring split in, in EU, but, like, that's an EU, so, like, that doesn't really give you a lot of... Uh, a lot to go on when you go to international tournaments. But the fact that they're still able to win games through Reckless at this stage. And not only win games, but like you said, come down from 0-4 and then win four straight games, including two tiebreaker games against Immortals and Gigabyte Marines. Like, it, I mean, it was incredible. So, like, I definitely, you know... It, I was it, very happy to eat Crow because I said after after the... mentality crushed. They're not coming back from this. They're yeah. 6 and, and that's what I thought, too, because when you looked at them... After their 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 third yeah, loss, yeah, like they they looked they they looked so dejected, like they looked so beat down, um, and even especially when you when you come from that in the first week and then you lose your opening match, yeah, you have to play long jail, yeah, and, and then so and then you're just like, well, now we're down 0-4, and like they they looked completely out of it. So the fact that they were able to to come out of that hole and fight those emotions from just getting beat over and over and over. Like, I think that shows the resiliency of the team. Um, and, but like you said, it's unfortunate that they now have to go up against RNG, um, which is arguably, you know, probably the second best team here um, right now. I think it is the second best team. In- I don't know. Okay. So I don't even think, I'm not even focusing on the fact that RNG is just like objectively a better team than Fnatic and the uh-huh. Fnatic is to like hell to get here in the first place. Yeah. I'm just looking at it. Not not from all this whole team is better. This whole team better kind of thing. But just like looking at the way they play the game, right? They play yeah. the game similarly, except so let's even we'll even go out on a limb, crazy limb here, and say that Reckless is exactly as good as Busy, which I'm not necessarily willing to say one way or another. Yeah, we'll say we'll take that as true for the purpose of this discussion, right? Okay. So next to Uzi, you have uh, you have what Ming? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you have Ming. Who has cemented himself as? I wouldn't say the best support in EU or in China because I think that Mako is the best support in China, and yeah. I think the fact that EDG managed to like pull off what they did at the end of this tournament is sort of a, part, a testament to it. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that we're in the metagame we are because if we were to play making metagame, that EDG percent gets out of that group because of Mako. Yeah. That being said, Mako definitely objectively better than Jizzy's, I would say because yeah. like. Kim, don't get me wrong, Jesse's has turned totally 180, my opinion of him, while he's been on this Fnatic roster. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is a guy who was not even good enough for the ULCS for a couple of years. Like, when he was on teams, I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's looked really good with Reckless. Like, yeah. better than any duo, except for, like, Yellow Star back in 2015. Yeah. Summer 2015, Yellow Star, I think, was a better duo. Mm-hmm. But that's also, they also have different objectives. Like, Jesse said, "Reckless have to win their lane every game, or their team loses." Yeah, exactly. If they, they don't. Do if they don't win. They lose every yeah. single time against everybody. I mean, except Prey and Gorilla, but they didn't look bad against Prey and Gorilla. Yeah. That was really kind of where I was starting being impressed by them. But then you go to mid. You have Caps versus Xiaobu. Like this isn't even remotely close. This is like the little league. That this is a guy in the little league trying to face off against. <laughs> I don't know. Sort of a good baseball player here because I don't know anything about sports ball. Mike Trout, like, Babe Ruth, all these guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Babe Ruth. Sure, I know about Babe Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the kid from the Sandlot facing off against Babe Ruth. Exactly. And yeah. Like Shaohu makes so much room for his team to win games, and Caps gets dragged along for the ride most of the time. 
Yeah. He looked, he looked better in week two, but his whole team looked really good in week two. So like exactly. Yeah. It was it wasn't like like Caps. He did, he had some good games, but it wasn't. It was more so because the entire team around him was also playing well, rather than he was just showing off. Like Reckless can have a really great game when the rest of his team is playing like absolute shit, and that's not the same. You can't say the same I for Caps. That, uh, I think that the important thing, what I would say for uh, Caps, is that he stopped looking bad in week two. But he still didn't look good, and Xiao has looked goddamn amazing. Yeah, so. yeah, Xiao has been playing out of his mind ever since, like even towards the end of the summer split. Yeah, yeah, I, I still think it's sad that RNG is not first seed. Anyway, yeah. and then you have Battle XG versus uh, Broxa, which Broxa plays a really good Rek'Sai. side. I'll give him that. But you know who else <laughs> plays a really good Rek'Sai? side? Yeah, uh, as it turns out. <laughs> so. And we saw at the end of Fnatic's run, where when you had Rek'Sai getting banned, they still managed to win, but it certainly wasn't because of Broxa. It was in spite of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that Elise game, that was probably one of the worst Elise showings I've seen in quite some time. Um, <laughs> where he just didn't, I mean, he didn't get a gank. He didn't gank. Like, he didn't succeed in a gank for the entire game. Yeah. Um... That's not going to work against Royal. And then you have Letney versus Soaz, which I think probably the, if we're being, like, I'm being realistic, is probably the closest matchup of all the players head-to-head. Mm-hmm. But it's unlikely to matter. <laughs> yeah, because because of there's such huge mismatches everywhere else, yeah. It's not, well, it's not even just that. So, you know, right now, because we're not anything resembling a top lane meta game, right? Yeah. Just being better than their guy isn't good enough. Like, their guy can play Galileo or Maokai go down 25 CS, and it doesn't matter because all that matters is Arden Sentry, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, basically. You have to be, like, con levels of good better than that guy. Yeah. Otherwise, or you, you can't just beat the enemy top laner. You have to fucking destroy the enemy top laner. <laughs> and yeah. So far, Soas hasn't really done that, except for the one game against... So, so yeah, pretty big, pretty big, uh, just, yeah, RNG is, is the better team, and they just, they play the game, like, like you said, they have very similar games, but RNG just does it better. Yeah, um, they both so, play the bottom lane, except they have a better supporting cast, and that's it. Exactly, so, uh, I've got RNG 3-0, is it the same for you? Yeah, it feels bad, it feels bad, <laughs> man, I don't want to say this, yeah, I love Reckless, but... In my opinion, this is probably the most... Like, I think this is a 3-0 more than I think Samsung versus Longju is a 3-0. And I think those two teams are really fun. I think yeah. these two teams are even further apart. Like, yeah. Fnatic's run was historic, amazing, and it's probably one of the most best narratives that I've seen in League of Legends. Like, period. Even the Gigabyte Marines run in MSI was firing, watching Fnatic actually pull this shit off. Yeah. These teams shouldn't have. Even if, you could, <laughs> even if there was stuff that went, that went their way that shouldn't have, like, Twenty some back fingering his way into like I mean all that enemy team. Uh, <laughs> it still was incredible to watch unfold, but they don't belong here. Yeah. And everybody knows it. Exactly. Like, what is this team like in quarterfinal worlds? <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to be honest. Like this should be worlds, if we're being honest, or Gigabyte Marine. Yeah. And even though I'm a huge fanatic fan, I'm happy it's not more else because I don't think I'm more- I think I'm a little smashed too. But I really wish Giga Man Marines had made it out of Because I would have had a lot more to say about this match then. Yeah. This way. Yeah, this is a pretty cut and dry one team's going to get crushed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um... <laughs> um, yeah, so poor Fnatic. Um, but, alright. 
Our, in our last matchup for the quarterfinals will take place on Sunday morning. And we've got Team WE versus Cloud9. Um, how are you feeling about this one? What are your What are your initial thoughts on this matchup? I'm telling you, this is the closest match. And Cloud9's... And don't get me wrong, I saw like when TSM beat Team WE, I was a little bit upset. And I looked like an idiot because I said Team WE liberate this group, yada yada. But at the end of the day, they still did decisively smash the group. Like, yeah. maybe not as decisively as long as you did, but 4-2 and two was nothing to not scoff at, especially when you just throw away your first game like that. Yeah, well, WE so, was 5-1, and one, so... 5-1? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't see it. I think that there's a route, unlike in, like, the Fnatic matches, maybe, I see there's only, like, an actual world where Cloud9 could win this. If I if I sit down and think as, like, a coach or an analyst, like, how would I prepare my team to play this? Like, as from the Cloud9 perspective, I can see things that I would focus on that might allow me to win. Um, Specifically in the mid lane, um, there is... Jensen's a lot better than GA, and this has been sort of a constant problem on WE for the last year, I feel like, is that... There's this narrative that Proskurin always likes to say in China that how Dustin WE was originally was a a team of all, like, C and B tier players who were an S tier team, that's like a year ago, but now how they're all S tier players who form an S tier team. Yeah, that is openly disingenuous in the case of uh, GA, in my opinion, because I think GA is the worst mid laner left in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think he was amongst the worst mid I think I even sat down and was like, I think he is the worst mid laner who was even in the stage. Like, I thought Frozen was better than this guy. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why it's not as apparent as it has been as it has been in other metagames is Min Min is a 2v2 lane. Um Min Jungle Min and Jungle are a lane together. You're not it's never mid laner versus mid laner, kinda just that guy and your one. Their jungler comes and kills you and you look like an idiot and you lose. Um, unless your jungler is there. So two v two lane. Yeah. And the jungle pool of this tournament is the weakest I think we've ever seen. Like, full stop. Um, a lot of the best junglers in, in, in X regions just didn't make it. You know, I think Score was the best jungler in Korea, probably. Mm. Wait, I'm thinking real quick. I don't sound like a moron. I'm pretty sure I would, I would say that he was the best jungler in Korea, not this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, North America. Not even close to any of these other best junglers, except Xmithy. Xmithy's the best. Okay, actually, Xmithy is the best jungler uh, by, by a wide margin, I would even say. So, fair enough on that one. But, yeah. <laughs> Contract's not feeling it. I know people about him after, but Contract versus Condi seems like an interesting mismatch to me because Condi is, unlike Clearlove, Condi has actually showed up at international events and not totally choked. Yeah, <laughs> um, he is. He is the S tier player. On Kandi is the best jungler in China, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I know with that. Chinese fans will probably want to kill me for saying that and not clear love, but like <laughs> we're looking at data driven perspective. I don't even think it's remotely close. Like Kandi has been the heart and soul of Team WE for two years, and he's led this team to the success they have right now. Yeah, and that's why I think that the whole Jensen better than GA thing doesn't matter as much because Kandi knows where he needs to be more often than not. And you can take advantage of contracts. Like, contracts and Jensen have done some ludicrous things to get Jensen out of lane, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, the bigger exactly. like, They've made some really, really obvious, like, 30, 70 plays where this can go really badly if enemy jungler's there. And it has exploded in their face in the past. And yeah. I think Conti is likely going to do that again to them. And if that happens, if GA doesn't get exploited, then I don't understand how else Team W or Team WB is. I think Impact is probably better than 957. I think Jet is way better than GA. But I don't think the margins are large enough for the fact that Cloud9 is worse than Team WB. Like, Team WB has never been about that. That's just not what the team matters. That's not what matters to the team. And, uh, yeah, and Cloud9 has just not demonstrated that they can keep it together afterwards. The only reason they really had any success whatsoever was contracts playing insane early game junglers that fill up once you get to the mid game and just don't let the team get there. Well, that's not going to work against Team WB. Yeah, exactly. And if you go up there playing Kane and playing Graves, 
and Kanye's playing Sejuani, he's just going to tower dive your bottom lane at level 6, and at level 8, and at level, you know, we see where this is going. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and, at every moment, basically. And it's just, it's hard, it, I can see where you're, if you're not used to, but it can seem like this might be closer. But Cloud9 is not a good team after you get out of the early stages of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, never really have been since Kai left the team, I don't think. Yeah. And Team WER and Cloud9 aren't so good in the early game that I think that they will win. Yeah, they play a really standard early game, they do it functionally, but it's nothing that it's nothing that Team WER hasn't had to face. Like, this is a team that had to face off with the five games against Royal. Like, Royal's a pretty good early game team, I hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, so yeah. So, what what is your going to be your final prediction for this series? So, after all that, this is probably the only series Cloud Nine's way, and that's only because Cloud Nine or TWE's style of play does open themselves up to losing just by like random circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Because this game is probably not. It's probably. It's not so clear-cut as SKT versus Misfits as to win if the game goes longer, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. TWE have shown some... They've had some times in their drafts where I've been like, this is not a good idea. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, and the way they play around certain picks, like Kogma, for example, where they're like, they seem perfectly willing to play six-item games when Kogma's on their team, mm-hmm. which is not a good idea. Kogma's not a good six-item in the current game at all. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's why they lost to Royal in LPL final, or LPL semi Right? Was they tried to play this Cogma composition out to like 60 minutes? Well, Cogma doesn't do anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, there's more things that can be that can be left for own chance, and I don't think specifically the game discrepancy is as large as SKT versus Misfits. I think the SKT is an amazing mid-game team that makes think that they're a good late-game team when they're not, and that's why they both lost to Samsung head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Is because they, they have to when they get to the actual late game, they're not as good as other Korean teams. They're yeah. really good at taking advantage and even writing the country. Team WE, not the same thing. They're a fine mid game team, they're an outstanding mid game team. But outstanding late game team game teams still can randomly fight and just lose the game. It's kind of the downside of being a late game team. Sort of why you see Samsung not really do so hot a lot of the time. It's like, even if you get to the stage of the game where you're really great, it's hard to be so much better unless you're, like, child level to where it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. But they can't be the only team in all of history where I've said, like, okay, actually, like, legitimately 90-10s people if they get to... Because their team fighting was just on a level that we haven't seen ever and never since. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You had to see this team to, to yeah. beat it. <laughs> the, the 11,000 deficit win team fight at 25 minutes just like okay I guess that's a play style but yeah Team WE I think that there's more, more times when they might only lose but I think still are going to look they're going to look like their team yeah what are you I yeah I think you know I like I would I would hope that Cloud9 can show up um, well enough to make this competitive but <laughs> Just like from what I've seen from WE, not just in the group stage, but also in the summer split, you know, in the spring split, um, you know, I mean, granted, they had to come in through the play in and, you know, they didn't get like an automatic seed or anything like that, but like they still are the, you know, they came in as the third seed from China, so, and they've just looked really good. And yeah, they and the lost. Two teams, I think it's important to note the two teams that got a cult fight ahead of them fucking outstanding. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The fact, so, that, the fact that EDG is not still in this tournament is a travesty and they should swim i would say if they were in china they should swim back in china like, <laughs> they were the, by far the second best team in that group i would even go out on a limb and say they might have been the best team in that group yeah you know, exactly they actually should have gone one and one with skt they and they had the, there was definitely a role where they went two and one on skt exactly so like people say that have team w third seed in china yeah but both of those two seeds ahead of them are looking like some of the best teams that we've seen play. Exactly, yeah. So like the fact that they're the third seed and only trail these really two these two really, really good teams, um, 
that just kind of goes to show what kind of team this is. And I just don't think that Cloud9 can match up with that. So, like, I'll give Cloud9 a game, but I think it's going to be a pretty, a fairly one-sided series. I mean, it sucks that the quarterfinals, we've got all of these predicted as either a 3-0 or a 3-1. I mean, yeah, there's worlds in which we can see some of these series going the other way, but I'm just not very confident that they will. So, I think that my perspective is different in that just because I'm predicting 3-0s doesn't mean I don't think these might be competitive series. Because I'm That's saying, fair, yeah. Like, the, 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 the thing is the Misfits. But I do predict a 3-0 in that. I, I, I think it's closer than people are giving credit for. Like, I don't think this is going to be that one-sided. I think Misfits is going to take it to the early game every single game. And I yeah. think SKT are going to turn turn the corner like they always do and come back from it. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really awesome to watch. Like, I want to watch this series. Yeah, exactly. Um... Because the match score isn't going to... I don't think the match score of anything ever tells the whole story. Like, uh, yeah, bringing agreed. up yeah. finals again... Agreed, yeah. G2 versus Misfits didn't look that far apart from each other at all, but it ended up to 3-0. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. So... Granted, the five-game series are... All, 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 like, I, I think back to 2015 summer, I don't know if you were watching back then, but when Fnatic played Origin in that really long five-game series, mm-hmm. like, yeah, those are the kinds of series that you maybe will always remember, but it doesn't mean the ones aren't... Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely think all of these, while they might be one-sided from a game score perspective, they should be fairly competitive, at well, least some of them a certain not. part. Yeah, some <laughs> of them will. Yeah, some of them will. Some of them won't. But so that is about to get. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get clapped pretty bad. Uh, but I think the other three have some potential for some really interesting um, games and some some good story developments there. Honestly, um, if Misfits just take a game off SKT, that's better than what the West has done in like. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. They, they will. They will have you know passed the bar that other teams have not been able to do. Won a game and right? Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So. And it was a big deal then, even though it didn't mean anything. <laughs> exactly. I first. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think. I think that's about it. I think we've gone through all the series. Um, we'll get back for next week. We'll try to get... Uh, I think we might be back on the stream next week, but we'll try to get James to do a recorded bit um, to give some of his predictions on the series that we've got. Um, but until then, uh, James, if they want to talk to you on Twitter, where can they find you at? It is at RCG Dreamweaver. All right. RCG Dreamweaver, you know, he'll be talked to, you can talk to him about League of Legends, even he's got anime, he's a big anime guy, so if you want to talk to him about some of that stuff, that'll work as well. I think um, the, the technical term is Geoboot, sir. Excuse, excuse me, excuse me. I, I don't know all the technical terms about that stuff. Um, and as always, if you guys want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Don. Um, that's M I S T A H. Yeah, when did this rebranding happen? I must have missed Uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long story, honestly, um, but uh, All right. yeah, that's, that's a story for a different day, or we can talk about it off stream some other time. But um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us this week, so definitely um, check the eGamer News uh, Twitter. We'll be announcing um, if we're going to be on stream again next week, if we're going to do more audio. Hopefully Noah will be back, able to speak, um, so we can get him back on next week as well. Um, but thanks for your time, and we will catch you guys next time.